Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. But we're going to be talking about Jesus' last party. Mark chapter 14, Jesus' last party. And this is the perfect passage for Mother's Day because it's really all about the love shown by a woman for Jesus. It's the anointing. We're going to do Jesus' anointing part one. And we want to honor all women today, as we've already mentioned, whether you're a physical mom, spiritual mom, emotional mom, whether you're praying praying for somebody, whatever, however God is using the women in our church, the ladies in our life. And this passage brings out the impact that a woman can make in the lives of others. And I have a few pictures that show moms making a difference here. Andrew, you want to just do a quick scroll through some of these? <laughs> if you're listening to the CD or podcast, we're looking at animal pictures. There will be one on the podcast and one on the YouTube site. I think these pictures say it all, right, about moms? Some babies are ugly, but their moms still love them, right? <laughs> So, happy Mother's Day. We just finished up Mark chapter 13, and we did the end times. Now we come to the end of Jesus' life. He just talked about his second coming, and now he's going to complete the purpose of his first coming. And we actually jumped ahead last week. If you weren't here last week, we actually jumped ahead. And we did the Last Supper and the Passover because it was Communion Sunday. So we're going to just backtrack back to the first passage just before that. We'll go to where Jesus was anointed for death. So really, Jesus is anointed for death, then it's the Last Supper. It's Jesus' Last Supper last week. But before that, many of you probably didn't realize there was Jesus' Last Party. We celebrate Last Supper. We really should be celebrating Last Party also because he had his last party, which we'll see in just a minute. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for... The worship today and for this special day and we also know it's a, a sad day for some it, remembering loss and remember moms and and uh, Lord we just pray for extra mercy and extra grace for every woman here and every person here we need your mercy and grace now as we look at your word in Jesus name amen okay let's pick it up mark 14 verse 1 Read it. Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread was only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany, reclining at a table, the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Then Judas, one of the twelve, went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. Parallel passage. Keep your hand in this spot and go to John. In John chapter 12, John chapter 12, 
I'm going to be showing them both up here, but keep your finger because there's a parallel passage. We're going to jump back and forth. They both bring out different parts of this story that we're going to focus on. John 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor it was worth a year's wages he did not say this because he cared about the poor but because he was a thief as keeper of the money bag he used to help himself to what was put into it leave her alone jesus replied it was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial you will always have the poor among you but you will not always have me Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. Uh, For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. So lots of different parts of this story. Uh, Back to Mark chapter 14, verses 1 to 2. Now the Passover and the Feast of the Leavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some way, to sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. The religious leaders are planning a hit on Jesus. We've been talking about that. But not during the Passover because of the riot. He shows the spiritual condition of the religious leaders of the, of the Jewish nation at this time. That's, we can see that picture. But remember that Jesus is omniscient and omnipotent. We talked about that last week. He is in control. The Passover is exactly when he will be killed. He's going to be killed on the Passover because he's the ultimate Passover lamb. And just as these religious leaders will sacrifice a Passover lamb, they're also going to be sacrificing the ultimate Passover lamb. They're going to sacrifice Jesus for the Passover as well. And Mark says they make the plan two days before the Passover, but then look what he he does. He jumps back, verse 3, while he was in Bethany reclining at the table. Uh, He jumps back from the, the let me make this clear to you. Uh, they make the plans two days before the Passover, but he jumps back in time to an event that happened several days before. Okay? You have to understand something about the Jewish writers. We write everything linear, but they take things and they put them together into the story to make it fit their theme. So between verse Two, where, he, where it was two days before the Passover, verse 3 is a jump back in time while he was in Bethany, okay? It doesn't say it was the same day they planned the death. It just said while. And in order to find out when that really was, John chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived in Bethany where Lazarus lived, where Jesus had raised, uh, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So Jesus arrived at Bethany six days before the Passover. So some, this party happened sometime between day six and day two. Sometime before that, just before the Passover. Day six before the Passover, day two before the Passover. Sometime between that, this is when the party happens. It's tricky with the Jewish writers. You have to be a detective, all right? And you have to take a lot of people say, oh, there's a contradiction. There's not. It's, e- it's very easy. To, the, there's apparent contradictions. You look at the different passages. They go together very, very clearly. You just have to do a little detective work and a little bit of math, okay? So, uh, 
this is sometimes between day six and day two before the Passover was when the party happens. All right, Mark, jump back there, okay? All the, and also, although Lazarus, Mary, and Martha are there, it's not their house. It just says they were there. It doesn't say it was their house. A lot of people, oh, it's Lazarus. No, no, it's not Lazarus' house. They were there. It was Simon the leper's house. And I want to look at this story through the, the event, through the people involved, okay? And I want to start with Simon the leper. Back to Mark 14, verse 3. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in a home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an abalazer jar, very expensive perfume, and we're going to cover all that next week. Don't miss next week, okay? Even the head, the feet, there's all kinds of wild stuff with that story. But Simon the leper. Now, this is obviously a man well-known in the area because they just use his name like this, well-known man that Jesus had healed of leprosy. How do we know Jesus healed him of leprosy? Yeah, everybody's around. They're at his house. Okay, if, if, that would, if, if he wasn't healed, nobody would be at this guy's house, believe me. In fact, they wouldn't be allowed to be at his house. He, would, he was totally isolated. If you, if you had leprosy in Jesus' day, the law said that you had to cover yourself and yell, unclean, unclean. You had to yell out because you didn't want to spread this disease. And, and that was the law. And so if, if, this, if he still had leprosy, he would be screaming, get out, I'm unclean. But he invited everybody in. So we know Jesus had healed him, okay? Leprosy was a horrible disease, horrible. The victim wasted away, completely separated from God's people, couldn't be anything to do with God's people. And the reason leprosy is used as that picture in the Bible is because it's a, it's a picture of each one of us and the effect of sin, what sin does in our life. Sin maims us. This deforms us. Sin separates us from God. The person with leprosy couldn't go into the temple, couldn't do any of this, be part of the, the, the religious ceremonies. Uh, it separates us from people. And ultimately, sin kills. The reason we die is because of the effect of sin. So here we have Simon, the leper. He hosts a big party for Jesus. He invites all of his friends. And he says... This is Jesus. This is the guy who healed me. But he's still known as Simon the leper. Why? He doesn't have leprosy anymore. Why is he still known as that? Because it was a badge of honor for him. It's what I was, but by God's grace I've been healed. That was his badge of honor. I remember when I was in the seminary, they had a special speaker coming in, Anjo the Headhunter. And I'll never forget it. This guy comes in, and, and he was from some tribe somewhere. I can't even remember where he was from. But, but he, he told his story, and he, and he said how his parents were headhunters. And the whole tribe was converted. And, and because of this, he goes around telling his testimony. He loves to tell a story, but everybody knows him as Anjo the Headhunter. Simon the Leper, Anjo the Headhunter. And he's, New Hope Community Church, we have so many stories, don't we? we? We have our testimony times, and some visitors are like, I can't believe they shared that in, your, in our church. I can't believe they, visitors are like, do, I say they do it all the time. It's no big deal. There's many testimonies here of God's grace. We are all formerly something. We could all say our name and put something after it, can't we? And, and, but we, but our, here, we don't, we're not ashamed of sharing what God has healed us of or saved us from or, or 
transformed us from. That's why at our church, our favorite verse has always been right from the start, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That's what we were. And we could add a lot to that list, couldn't we here? At our church. We all could. Have you really messed up? Maybe you're here just starting to come here. Have you really messed up? Are you really messed up? You're at the right place. You're at the right place. So, Simon the leper. Then the second person in our story, next in line, let's look at John chapter 12, verse 2. Martha. Martha is serving. John chapter 12, verse 2. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. So Martha is serving. There she goes again. Busy serving. Just like in Luke chapter 10. Remember in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 to 42? Verse 38 to 42, we spent a whole week on this, remember? As Jesus and his disciples were on the way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sounds like my kids, right? Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chose what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So here she goes again, right? But wait, something's different here in John chapter 12, verse 2. Something's different. What's different? Jesus doesn't correct her. Jesus doesn't say, say, stop that now. He doesn't do that. Why? Because there's nothing wrong with serving Jesus. There's nothing wrong with serving Jesus. We need Marthas. If we were all Marys, we would have a great time, but nothing would ever get done. Right? We need Marthas. But now she has the right focus. She has the right focus. She has the right spirit. The first time she was distracted and complained about Mary, this time serving isn't an issue. Because serving wasn't the issue then. Her spirit was, but now her spirit is positive. Now, that this is how she's showing her love for Jesus. There's a whole different focus and spirit for her, and that's why it's okay this time. We'll come back to Martha a little bit later. Third person in the story, John chapter 12, verse 2, is Lazarus. Martha's busy working while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Nothing's changed. <laughs> the men are reclining... <laughs> And the ladies are working. Nothing's changed, right? 2,000 years. But we're not going to focus on that part, especially on Mother's Day. But, but what is reclining at the table with Jesus a picture of here? What is Lazarus doing with Jesus? He's eating with him. He is having, he's in fellowship with Jesus. It's a picture of fellowship. Why is he able to have fellowship with Jesus? Why is he able to have dinner with him? Why? Why? 
He's not dead anymore. That's why if he's dead, they couldn't have dinner with Jesus. He'd be in the grave, right? But he's not dead. Jesus had brought him back from the dead. You all know the story back earlier, uh, John chapter 11. Lazarus, come out, you know. Dead man comes out with his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. The walking mummy, right? He's alive, right? But that's, that's what, he's alive and now he can have fellowship with Jesus. That's the whole point. He's not dead anymore. And this is a picture of us. We were all dead spiritually. It's a picture of all of us who have put our faith in Christ. Once we have put our faith in Christ, it's a picture of us. We can now have fellowship with God. When we're spiritually dead, we can't. We're cut off. We can't really call him our father. He's not our father. We can't connect with Jesus because we're, we're an enemy of God, it says. But once we put our faith in Jesus, something amazing happens. In fact, in Ephesians 2, and Ephesians 2 talks about what, what we all were before we put our faith in Jesus. Ephesians 2 says, verse 1 through 3 says, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Woo! We all, what, what we were... The way we were. We were all dead spiritually. We were like Lazarus. We were dead spiritually and separated from God. Completely separated. We were just waiting to die physically and facing eternity. An eternity of separation from God. God's wrath. Facing hell for eternity. That's what we were facing. But Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 tells us what happened to us. When we put our faith in Jesus. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we are dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Wow. God's love made it possible for us to live again. John 3, 16, God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God gave his only son because of his love. He gave his only son to die in our place, to die for our sin, to take our punishment. And then he rose again to prove he was God's son. But that's what God's love made it possible to live again. And we can sit with him. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms. Back at verse 6. We're seated with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We can sit with him now. We can have fellowship with, with because we're seated with Jesus Christ. That's our position in Christ. We're actually When God looks at us, he sees Jesus. We're seated with him. And someday we're going to live forever with him in heaven someday. Now because we're with Christ. How do we get this? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, the next couple of verses. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. We are saved by putting our faith, our trust in God's grace, his gift. That's how we're saved. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's the gift. He gave his son to die on the cross for us 
So that if we ask him for forgiveness, repent of our sin, ask for forgiveness, give our life to Jesus Christ by putting our faith in him, we are given a life. We're given new life. We're not dead anymore. And the moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ and give your life to him, we can now have fellowship with Jesus. We can recline at the table just like Lazarus did. We are seated with him. And Jesus wants us to fellowship with him. He's at this party with, with, with Lazarus. It's a party. Jesus wants to party with us. But we don't need that garbage to intoxicate us, all the things that people use at parties to try to have a good time. We don't need that garbage to, to help us have a good time because we have something better. The moment you put your faith in Jesus Christ, Jesus sends his spirit to live inside of us. We receive the Holy Spirit at that moment. And then the Holy Spirit is there and we can be filled. We can be filled by his spirit anytime. He's always there, but we have to make a decision. Am I going to grieve the spirit? Am I going to quench the spirit? Am I going to resist the spirit? Or am I going to allow the spirit to fill me up every day? Fill me anew. Ephesians 5.18 talks about that. He says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the spirit. Be filled. Allow him to fill us on a daily basis. And, and the interesting thing is to be filled is it's a command. We're commanded to allow this to happen, but it's not something we can do. It says be filled is passive. It means we have to allow it to happen. It doesn't say fill yourself with the Spirit. It says commands us to let his Spirit fill us. We'll talk about that a little bit more in a little bit, okay? But there's a warning here, too, for what we see from Lazarus. There's a warning back to John chapter 12. If we are in fellowship with Jesus, if we're testifying to his power in our life, if we're doing all that, there is a warning for us, too. In, in John chapter 12, verses 9 to 11, it says, Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and putting their faith in him. When our lives show God's grace, when our lives show God's power, expect opposition. Expect it. Expect spiritual attacks. If your life is a witness to Christ, it will happen. In fact, if it doesn't happen, there's a problem. If you're out there and you're living your life and nobody ever gives you a hard time for being a Christian, uh-huh. these churches that are out there just doing great, doing great, nobody ever gets upset with them, nobody ever gets offended walking into those doors, there's a problem because you know what it says? 2 Timothy 3.12 says this. In fact, everyone who, wants, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you are never facing any kind of persecution, if a church is not facing any kind of persecution, guess what? Not living a godly life in Christ Jesus. It's impossible. That's a sign. Take this warning. It, it's, it, we, we're showing the love of Christ. We're showing his power, his grace. But there are people who aren't going to like it. Warning, okay? So what a party so far. What a party. We have a leper who was healed, this rotting guy who was healed. We have a, a dead guy who's alive. He was rotting too. This dead guy who was alive, right? All hanging out with Jesus. Reminds me of New Hope Community Church here. A, a rotten bunch, a rotten bunch. But we're here because of God's grace, right? God's grace. And we're going to finish up this story next week of the party next week because 
somebody does something crazy, they break something, and then a fight breaks out, and it's like a typical party, right? A uh, pretty wild story. But I want to just focus on this. How do you like Jesus' party so far? How do you like his party so far? Are you a Simon the leper? Are you sharing the story of God's grace in your life with your family and friends? When people see you, do they think about Jesus' power because of the changes in your life? Because of what they see in your life? Maybe you're here today and you're still a leper. Maybe you're here today and you're still a leper. Because you're in bondage to sin and death and fear and shame. But I have great news for you. You don't have to walk out a leper. You can go walk out a new person in Jesus Christ because of what 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11 says. I'm going to read it again. I could read it. Uh, mem- memorize this verse. This is us. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You, no matter what you walked in, like what, what leprosy you walked in with, it can be something that you were when you walk out today. By putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Maybe you're taking your Martha. Maybe you're a Martha. Maybe your love language is... Anybody read the five love languages book? What is her love language? Acts of service, right? Acts of service. Have you learned to serve Jesus with joy? With your eyes on him? Without looking at what everyone else is doing or not doing, right? Kim is a Martha. My wife is a Martha. If you know her, you know that. Uh, and she always says the key is no expectations. No expectations. <laughs> That's the key to enjoying your life as a Martha. Uh, but everyone has a different love language. The book is a great, if you've never read the book, it's a great, great book. It talks about the different love languages. Uh, five love languages, acts of service, physical touch, words of encouragement, time. And gifts, getting gifts, giving gifts, right? That's, these are all the five different... Now, let's look at this little passage here. Uh, Martha, acts of service, right? What was Simon's, Simon the leper's love language? Touch, physical touch. Jesus probably touched him to heal him. In fact, remember back when we were started out in the book of Mark um, a couple years ago? Remember we did uh, Mark 1, 40 to 42? A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees... If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. When it says Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, remember we talked about in the Greek, it means to grip. He didn't just like, oh, here's a little finger. No, he grabbed a hold of him, really grabbed him. Because he was healing him physically and emotionally as a man who hadn't been touched in like forever. And Jesus probably grabbed a hold of Simon the leper the same way. And uh, that's, he, that's how he, he, that touch healed him. He responded to that touch. Lazarus, what is Lazarus? I'm having a little fun with this too. Lazarus, words of encouragement. Lazarus, come out. He, he didn't touch him. He called him out. And he, Lazarus came out. Dead, dead, came alive, came out. Words of encouragement. He responded to that, right? Mary, what is Mary's? That's an easy one. Time. 
Time with Jesus. He's always at the feet. We're going to talk about that next week. Judas. What is Judas? Gifts. You know, gifts, getting gifts is a love life. His is gifts. He liked to get stuff. Only it was gimme, you know. He took it too far. He became envy and materialism and stealing, you know. His is gifts. Now, here's the thing with the love languages. And this is for your moms, right? It's vital if you want to make someone feel loved, whether it's your spouse or, or family or friends or your mom, uh, you have to learn to speak their love language. What we usually do with, with, with when we want to speak love to someone we speak our love language, right? If we like to get gifts, then we give everybody else gifts. But if that's not their love language, it doesn't mean a whole lot to them, right? It, 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 we end up frustrated. They end up frustrated because we have to learn to speak their love language. Very, very important, okay? Like, and if you haven't read the book, get the book. It's worth reading. There's one for kids. There's one for marriage. There's one for everything. But like Martha, she had to learn to speak the love language. She... She, she, first of all, was like, tell Mary to help me. Tell Mary to help. But that wasn't Mary's love language. Mary's love language was spending time at Jesus' feet, spending time with him. But that's how Martha showed love to Jesus. It wasn't wrong that she was serving. That's how she showed love. She, had to, that she showed her love by serving. She just had to learn to realize that Mary was showing love and I'm showing love, but it's just two different ways, okay? And speaking of service, serving... Moms who are here know that whether that's your love language or not, you still got to do it. Right? <laughs> whether moms, whether that's a love language they speak naturally, all moms serve. And I hope you, you spend this day showing your appreciation to your mom or the women in your life. And every day, don't just wait for this day, because moms are constantly serving. Someone sent me a nice email, the invisible mom. The Invisible Mom, here's a mom writing this. It all began to make sense, the blank stares, the lack of response, the way one of the kids will walk into the room while I'm on the phone and ask to be taken to the store instead of thinking, and, and inside I'm thinking, can't you see I'm on the phone? Obviously not. No one can see if I'm on the phone or cooking or sweeping the floor or even standing on my head in the corner <laughs> because no one can see me at all. I'm invisible, the Invisible Mom. Some days I'm only a pair of hands, nothing more. Can you fix this? Can you tie this? Can you open this? Some days I'm not a pair of hands, I'm not even a human being. I'm a clock to ask, what time is it? Uh, what, or I'm a satellite guide to answer, what number is the Disney Channel? Or I'm a car to order, right around 5.30, pick me up please. Or not usually please, right? Some days I'm a crystal ball. Where's my other sock? Where's my phone? Where's my dinner? Uh, what, what's for dinner? I was certain that these were the hands that once held books and the eyes that once studied history, music, and literature, but now they had disappeared into the peanut butter, never to be seen again. She's going, she's going, she's gone. One night, a group of us were having dinner, celebrating the return of a friend from England. She had just gotten back from a fabulous trip, and she was going on and on about the hotel she stayed in and all the things she saw. I was sitting there looking around at all the others, all so well put together. It was hard not to compare and feel sorry for myself. I was feeling pretty pathetic. When my friend turned to me with a beautifully wrapped package and said, I, bought, I brought you this. It was a book on the great cathedrals of Europe. I wasn't exactly sure why she'd given it to me until I read her inscription with admiration for the greatness of what you are building. 
when no one sees. In the days ahead, I would read, no, no, devour the book, and I would discover what would become for me four life-changing truths after which I would pattern my work. Number one, no one can say who built the great cathedrals. We have no record of their names. Number two, these builders gave their whole lives for a work which they would never see finished. Number three, they made great sacrifices and expected no credit. Number four, the passion of their building was fueled by their faith that the eyes of God saw everything. A story of legend in the book told of a rich man who came to visit the cathedrals while it was being built and he saw workmen carving a tiny bird on the inside of a beam. He was puzzled and asked the man, why are you spending so much time carving that bird into a beam that will be covered by a roof? No one will ever see it. And the workman replied, because God sees. I closed the book, feeling the missing pieces fall into place. It was almost as if I heard God whispering to me, I see you. I see the sacrifices you make every day even when no one else does. No act of kindness you've done. No piece of clothing you've sewn on. No cupcake you've baked. No hockey, soccer, piano, scout, school meeting. No last-minute errand is too small for me to notice and smile over. You are building a great cathedral, but you can't see right now what it will become. I keep the right perspective when I see myself as a great builder. As one of the people who show up at a job when they will never see finished. To work on something that their name will never be on. The writer of this book went so far as to say that no cathedrals could ever be built in our lifetime because there are so few people willing to sacrifice to that degree. When I really think about it, I don't want my son to tell the friend he is bringing home from college for Thanksgiving. My mom gets up at four in the morning and bakes homemade pies. And then she hand baste the turkey for three hours and presses all the linen for the table, that would mean I'd build a monument to myself. I just wanted to come home. And then if there's anything more to say to his friend, he'd say, you're going to love it here. As mothers, we are building great cathedrals we cannot be seen if we're doing it right. And one day it's very possible that the world will marvel only not at what we have built, but at the beauty that has been added to the world by the sacrifice of invisible mothers. Share this with all the invisible moms you know. Anybody wants a copy, let me know. I'll email you. Something to put up on your fridge. Are we like Martha, servants? Are we like Simon the leper, letting people know what, we've, what God has done in our life? And most importantly, are we a Lazarus? Are we like Lazarus? That's the most important one. Have we received life, new life from Jesus? Are we seated with Jesus? Are we in fellowship with him? Have you, ever been brought, have you ever been brought back from the dead? 
Or are you still a spiritual zombie? Are you still the walking dead? Have you ever been back from the dead? Ephesians 2, verse 1. The dead. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Have you been saved by faith? Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? What he did on the cross in our place dying for us. And rising from the dead to prove he was the son of God. Have we ever put our faith in that gift that he has given us? And have we received life through him? Have you done that? And before we pray, I want to say this to those who have already done it. As Christians, are we living in close fellowship with Jesus? Are we sitting with Jesus? Are we in close fellowship with him? Do you realize that life, that Jesus is the life of the party? That the only way we're going to find any kind of fulfillment is through Jesus? And all the other stuff that we try to find it in, and all the stuff we used to find it in, we can never find joy and peace in real life that way it's only through being close to jesus and the key indicator for doing that is are we facing once again are we witnessing and facing persecution but the key to this back to ephesians 5 18 to 20 the key to having this life for jesus very very important ephesians 5 18 to 20 says therefore do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the spirit Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, it commands us to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. Are we, are we letting him fill us? Are we looking to him to fulfill us? The only way is through the, allowing the Holy Spirit to fill us. And how are we filled? It has to be on a daily basis by, by not grieving the Spirit or resisting the Spirit or, or quenching the Spirit. But we have to put ourselves, we have to allow. The command is to allow him to fill us. We're commanded but to put ourselves in the place. How? Through worship. And we're in the word. And we're in the fellowship. And we're giving thanks. And when we're in that place, that spiritual place, something supernatural happens. The spirit fills us. If you've ever been on a retreat, you know what I'm talking about. You go on these with retreats or a mission trip. And, and it's just like this awesome, magical time. But Why? Because you get away from the world, you get away from the garbage, you get away from the, all the junk and, and all the electronic stuff. We get away and we're in a place that we can hear God and we can receive from God. And we're in this place of fellowship, we're talking about God, thinking about God. Is there anything better than that time of a retreat or that, that mission trip you've been on, you know, the Dominican Republic? We're just like flying. Nobody's smoking pot or drinking or, you know, looking for some drug or some fake high. Why? Everybody's just filled with the spirit it's awesome we don't need the garbage 
Are you in that place where the Holy Spirit can just fill you? Are we allowing him to fill us on a daily basis? That's the life of the party. Let's pray. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe here's a Christian and, and we haven't been letting him fill us. We haven't been getting that time, that quiet time, that time alone, that time with other Christians, that fellowship time, that worship time. Whether it's in the shower or in the car or wherever it is, that worship time where the Holy, we allow the Holy Spirit to fill us, where we're in the place that he can fill us. He's already there, he's in us, but, but we still have to allow him to fill us up. Every day. We don't have to wait for a retreat or a mission trip. We can connect with Jesus and his spirit every day. And maybe you're here and you're running on empty, but today's the day you say, I want to let the spirit really fill me. Whatever it takes, I'm going to connect with Jesus. Maybe here today, and you haven't received the Holy Spirit yet, because you haven't put your faith in Jesus. But today can be that day that you are saved by faith in God's grace, that you receive the Holy Spirit that you get a brand new life, that you leave the life of death and sin behind and you begin to become a new person in Jesus Christ. It doesn't happen overnight. The, 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 the power comes into us and Jesus' spirit is inside of us and we are positionally with Christ, but it's a lifelong process as we surrender to him and let him transform us. But there has to be that first step where we are born again. Jesus said you must be born again. Just as you're born physically, we must be born spiritually. And that happens the moment we put our faith in Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You can put your faith in Jesus Right now. You can be born again right now. You can be brought back from the dead and, and saved from sin right now. Right where you're sitting. Just pray out to God in your heart. God, please forgive my sin. I repent of everything I've ever done against your word, against your will. I repent of that. I ask you to forgive me. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus, my trust, my hope. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I give my life to you, God. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, that something amazing has happened to you, the Holy Spirit is living inside of you and your life will never be the same. Like Lazarus, you have just walked out of a grave. Like Simon the leper, you have just been healed of a, a horrible 
deforming disease called sin. You have been washed clean. It's what you were. But you've been sanctified, justified, and washed clean by the Spirit. I want you to encourage you to let somebody know you've given your life to Jesus today. Whether you came with a family member or a friend or whether you know someone here or fill out the card or tell me, email me, text me, call me. Let somebody know because we want to encourage you, be excited for you and encourage you in your new life in Jesus Christ. For the rest of us, are we going to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us? Would our prayer this week be, Holy Spirit, fill me. We find that time alone with God, wherever it is. Whether it's a walk in the woods or like the Puritans, you lock yourself in a prayer closet, wherever it has to happen, in the car, wherever. You can find that time to let the Holy Spirit fill you as we meditate on his word and as we worship. As we're quiet before him. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to fill us. Full. To the full measure. I pray that you would empower us through your spirit. To live. Out your purpose to love people with the love of Jesus Christ. To be a powerful witness right here where you have us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.